If you didn't catch all of what was happening in that video, or if you want to uh, see it again, um, because there's a lot kind of packed into those couple minutes, uh, that's a video from thebibleproject.com, and uh, you, they've got some other resources there about the Holy Spirit. Um, but what I really like about that video is that it kind of shows us how this Holy Spirit, this wild goose that we've been talking about, is kind of moving and weaving throughout the story of Scripture. And uh, you know, we often kind of focus on the Holy Spirit post-Pentecost. And, and there's not a lot um, in our Bibles that is post-Pentecost as far as you know, the, the stories that are written there. But God's Spirit is moving and, and hovering from the very beginning and, and moving in the lives of individuals and in, in the lives of uh, Moses and, and others, uh, prophets, and, and yet what we start to see is that this Holy Spirit, this wild goose of God's Spirit, is being poured out beyond just uh, those prophets, beyond uh, just those named persons of the Old Testament. We are uh, continuing in this series of the wild goose chase talking about the nature of the Holy Spirit um, that works in unexpected, often wild ways. So several weeks ago, we looked at the story of Nicodemus, uh, who was wondering what it means to be born again from above of God's Spirit. And, and Nicodemus trying to wrap his mind around what that means to be born again and to, to be born of the Spirit. And, and Jesus talks about you know, the spirit is, is unpredictable. It's like the wind. You don't, you hear it. You, you might see uh, the leaves blowing, but you don't know where it's coming from and where it is going to. It moves as it pleases in unexpected and unexplained ways. Then we looked at the, this wild goose spirit empowering and giving boldness to the Jesus community in Acts. And they, they preached with boldness and they, they lived out their faith in some pretty radical ways as they uh, joined together and they shared resources and they tried to live life in, in common, empowered by God's Spirit. We also talked about how we are invited into the V-shaped formation of shared flight with this wild goose. There's been a lot of reminders in the, in the last couple of weeks, seeing the, the geese start their um, migrations and everything. And it, it's just been um, a reminder to me as I go throughout the week. And you know, I'm walking in from, the, uh, from my car in this morning, and, and there's a, a group of geese flying. It, just the way that God's Spirit continues to move. And so I, I hope that when you see those geese... Um, they're beautiful in their own right, but they are also, I think, a reminder of the way God's Spirit is, is moving and weaving in our own lives, in our own stories, um, all the time. This morning, I want to look at some implications of following this wild goose Holy Spirit for our lives. And so as we look at that this morning, would you pray with me? Jesus, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you. Would you open our eyes, our ears, our hearts to the way that you are moving in our midst? In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, I want to talk about two implications of what it means for us to participate in following this wild goose Holy Spirit. And I framed this around these two texts that we've had read for us this morning. The first one out of the Old Testament from the prophet Joel. This is a prophetic uh, prose uh, regarding God's future restoration of Israel, which anticipates victory over enemies. It anticipates renewed fertility of creation and a broader vision of revelation given to God's people. It is a grand vision of restoration at which time God says that God will pour out his spirit. Let me read it for you again. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Even on male and female slaves in those days I will pour out my spirit. So let me ask a question. Who is having God's Spirit poured out on them in this passage? Everyone. Everyone. Chet read read it, and thank you for answering with gusto. I I hope the rest of us heard what was happening in there. Sons and daughters are having God's Spirit poured out, so this is regardless of gender. Old men and young men, so regardless of age, God is pouring out God's Spirit on male and female servants. And so regardless of uh, stature or social hierarchy, God is pouring out His Spirit. And Joel sums it up at the very beginning. I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Not just the priests or the prophets. Or the king. Actually, the spirit ends up being poured out, not even just on the Jewish people or the biological children of Abraham. So one of the profound implications of this wild and unpredictable spirit of God is that everyone is invited to participate. Everyone is invited to participate. If you think through some of the the major parts of the the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible story, there are some extensive rules for the priesthood and for the practice of the, the temple rituals, whole books of the Bible dedicated to telling the priests exactly how to carry out the rituals of the temple. There are also a lot of specifics for the king or the line of David. And yet one of the amazing, unpredictable, wild things that that happens in this story, what we see happen with Jesus, is that Jesus uh, calls uneducated fishermen, he calls tax collectors, zealots, and all kinds of folks to follow him. One of the ways the early church and Paul got into trouble is by suggesting that God's Spirit was indeed being poured out on all flesh, all people, including Gentiles. The pouring out of God's Spirit is for everyone. And so we believe in something called the priesthood of believers. We had a 
ordination service last week, which I just want to say thank you uh, to, to all of you who um, just uh, expressed your uh, support and joy, and uh, it was just a, a wonderful time for our family, for our biological family, but also just the opportunity to share that with you last week. It was a, a great time uh, for just reflecting on how God is calling us all. But one thing that was said in that service, both from Jim Wren, who gave the, the sermon, and, and Pete Contra, who did the ordination, is that we are all invited into ministry. There is an ordination towards leadership in the church and, and those kinds of things. But when we uh, profess Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are all called into ministry. So an uh, interesting thing happened this past week. Sunday was the ordination service, great, great time. Monday, I, I'm part of a, a cohort group, a learning group uh, that is looking about what it means to be uh, a missional people, a sent people into the community around us. And so there's reading and video that go along with this. And so I did the reading for our session last week, Monday morning. And I open up my book, and the author is talking uh, about how we're all invited into this story, and I, I'm agreeing with that and, and reading along. And then he gets to a part, and he starts talking about the evils of ordination. <laughs> now, he was not just outright condemning what we do in ordination. But what he was focused on what he was writing about, is that often what has happened in the church, particularly in the West, maybe particularly in the United States, is that we often ordain a minister or we call professional clergy or we hire staff to do the ministry for us rather than understanding that at, when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, when we enter the waters of baptism, part of what happens in the, in, in the baptism is that you and I are being sent on mission, on, on ministry. We're all called to it. Both of the, the pastors that were speaking last week were talking about that. And so to open up and read about the evils of ordination, was, it was humbling on one hand, it was humorous on another, and yet it was also an encouragement to me that I'm not in this by myself. That I gather with the other ministers of the gospel of Jesus Every time I am with you, every time we are together, I am with fellow ministers of the gospel. The pouring out of God's Spirit is not just for the ordained clergy. So I can understand what this author was talking about in the danger and the idea of having a, a clear distinction between clergy and laity. So we believe that we are all invited to participate in God's outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 
The second implication of following this wild goose of a Holy Spirit that I want to look at this morning comes out of this short passage from Mark 2. It says, No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old cloak, otherwise the patch pulls away from it. The new from the old and the worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wine will burst the skins and the wine is lost, and so are the skins. But one puts new wine into fresh wineskins. I've got to be honest, I've always found this passage a little odd. Jesus is being questioned about why John the Baptist's disciples and the Pharisees are fasting and his disciples aren't fasting. Why aren't they doing what all of the other religious folks are doing? And Jesus simply responds, basically, it's not time for fasting and lament right now. It's party time because the bridegroom is physically present. I'm here now, and so we're going to celebrate. He says, there will be a time for lamenting. There will be a time for, for fasting. That time will come, but right now it's time to celebrate. And then Jesus starts talking about winemaking in the ancient world. He says, new wine required fresh, pliable, stretchable skins to allow for this fermentation process to happen. This, this bubbling up, this, this expanding. It required new wineskins. New wine and old wineskins just wouldn't work. Both would be ruined. Jesus is bringing the kingdom of God. He's introducing this new creation. And it won't fit into the old wineskins of temple rituals, of legalism and religiosity that the Pharisees so relied upon. It won't fit what God was doing, the pouring out of His Spirit, won't fit into these old wineskins anymore. It requires something new. It requires a, a fresh expression. You know, Jesus is often criticized for who His disciples are and what they're doing. <clears throat> Here they aren't fasting at the right time. Other times they're eating grain and healing people on the wrong days of the week. Jesus is accused of calling wrong the wrong people as disciples because he's calling people like them and sinners. This new kingdom message just isn't going to fit right in the old wineskins of the Pharisees. And so the second implication of this wild goose Holy Spirit is that if the Spirit is being poured out onto all God's people, and if they are having new visions and new dreams of God's restoring work in the world, then new wineskins are going to be needed for those new visions and dreams. Let me give you just a few examples of these new wineskins from the New Testament. The church had a vision for people's physical needs being cared for even while the apostles continued to proclaim and expand the news of Jesus. 
So what happened in the early church was they, they created some, some organizational structure. They called deacons to come forward and to care for the physical needs of those in their midst. Even while the, the uh, apostles were going out and continuing to proclaim this, this message, this story, they were going out on missionary journeys and things like that, they called folks to make sure the physical needs of those around them were cared for. They had to create some structure. In Acts 15, the church had to address what the common life of Jewish followers of Jesus and Gentile followers of Jesus might look like. This, this new family, this new understanding, the, the realization that God's Spirit was being poured out onto all people required that they meet together and figure out a new way of what it means for us together to follow Jesus. And the church has looked for new wineskins to carry forth the message of Jesus. I was trying to think of some other examples. Pretty much any parachurch organization uh, might be a new wineskin. I thought of Heifer Project and uh, Kobe's Family Services, Brethren Housing Association. All began because of a vision and a dream of how the church might address areas of concern in the world that needed God's restoring, healing work. So they had to come up with some new wineskins. At Spring Creek, over time, we've needed new wineskins for new visions and dreams. And so over the years, part of that has meant an expansion of the building or hiring new staff or starting new ministries, or different groups and committees and teams to help organize these, these new wineskins, these new expressions of what it means for us to, to live out the kingdom of God in this place and in this time. And that's a process that cannot come to a stop. We can't say, well, we've reached it. With these new wineskins, their need to be some communication and some organizing, but also the point of new wineskins isn't really about the wineskins. It's about the wine inside of the skins. Today, no one's ever really that excited about the kind of glass bottle the wine is in. You're not a bottle connoisseur. You're a wine connoisseur. The temple and the priesthood had some pretty positive sides to them, especially at the beginning. There was a physical manifestation of the presence of God in the midst of God's people with the tabernacle and then with the temple. It represented God's presence with his people, in the midst of his people. And there was a group of folks who mediated the presence of God, who stood as representatives of the people before God. And there were some really good things about that. But when those wineskins of the temple and the priesthood became about preserving the wineskin, when it became about preserving power and legislating religiosity and actually became a way of separating people from God's presence, and it was a time for new wineskins. We talked a, a number of weeks ago about what it looks like, what it might mean for us to be Jesus in the neighborhood. To be the hands and feet of Christ out in the world, 
in the mess, in the muck, in the mire with other people, hearing what's going on in their lives, hearing opportunities to speak the good news, to proclaim the kingdom of God in this place, at work in their lives. And we need to continue to live and proclaim the good news of Jesus. That's what this wine is. But in 2021, in Hershey, in Spring Creek, maybe we need some new wineskins. Now I'm going to just speak candidly with you. I say, well, he got ordained this week and now he's just throwing it up in the air this week. I was a little afraid am a little afraid of moving back into the sanctuary from our worship outside. Not because I don't like the sanctuary, not because I don't like the comfortable seating, not because I don't like uh, the organ or my guitar staying in tune throughout a whole service. It's not because I'm afraid of wearing masks. But something beautiful happened and was represented and, and I think happened in our minds when we realized that worship, that ministry, that the kingdom of God exists outside of these four walls. And so I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we're back inside. I'm happy that we don't have to worry about the, the cold temperatures and the rain and, and all of that stuff. But we have to continue to realize that the kingdom of God is on the move. And the kingdom of God, our mission, our ministry, cannot be contained inside of these four walls. We have to continue to be a people that is out living out the kingdom every day of our lives, in our places of work, in the, the places that we grocery shop, in the places that we go to school, in the places that we interact These four walls cannot contain the kingdom of God. I'm convinced that this building, this wineskin, won't hold the new wine if we allow our old men, our young women, our well-to-do, and those that are making ends meet folks to dream new dreams and to have new visions. And I'm not talking about building a bigger building. You and I are invited to participate in God's healing work in the world. And that might require us to reimagine the use of this facility. It might require us to reimagine the use or the allocation of our resources, of our financial resources, of our human resources, of our spiritual gift resources. We may need to look at what is happening around us. And how can we minister in a meaningful way to the hurts and the pains of those around us? How can we be people who participate in God's healing work around us? And we may have to consider letting go of some old wineskins. Again, let me just speak candidly 
one area that maybe, can we take out the maybe? One area that maybe we're struggling is how we gather around Scripture and attempt to live life together. And I know that that's hard and, and requires uh, imagination and intentionality in a pandemic world. Sunday school has been an old, faithful wineskin. And I don't know that it's one that needs to be thrown out. We don't need to just get rid of it. There is some fine-aged wine in those skins. But maybe we also need to consider new wineskins. For how, when, and where the body of Christ can gather. Because it doesn't have to be contained to this building. I think one of the questions we need to think about in the future for Bible study groups, small groups, whatever you want to call it, is not only what do we study, what time do we meet, but where do we meet? Because it turns out, and sometimes this is a surprise to the church, sometimes this is a surprise to those of us, myself included, who have been born and raised in the church. But it turns out that Jesus Christ is the king of the universe. And the Bible can be studied in coffee shops, offices, homes, the pub, the park, and all kinds of places. And some of those places may actually open us up to interaction with those not yet followers of Jesus. Jesus is king of the universe. So we can't be afraid to move out. God's spirit is poured out on all who proclaim and live that Jesus is Lord. Women, men, young, old, making ends meet and well-to-do. And we should expect Visions and dreams from those folks for what God's kingdom looks like and see how his kingdom is made manifest in our day, in our age, in our community, in our congregation. And new visions and dreams require new wineskins because it's not really about the wineskins. It's about allowing for the fermenting, growing kingdom of God. So may we hear and honor and find enthusiasm in these new visions and dreams. It is a sign that God continues to pour out God's spirit. And may we be discerning of when to let go of old wineskins what skins continue to grow, and where we need to open new wineskins for the good of the kingdom of God. May it be so.